Life in general is often stressful, regardless of what's going on at work. One of the strategies that some utilize to deal with life's challenges is their love and appreciation for art. We'll talk with a former therapist, nonprofit board chair, and art enthusiast about the therapeutic value of art on this episode of the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. From Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. As workplace mental health has become a global priority, there's a greater focus on addressing psychosocial hazards. Each episode, we look at psychological safety from an occupational health and safety perspective. Let's talk psych health and safety. Welcome to this week's Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. I'm your host, Dr. I. David Daniels, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Each week, we seek to increase awareness of the importance of psychological health and safety by learning from the lived experiences, research, and expertise of our guests, as well as advocating strategies to reduce harm and minimize vulnerability to psychosocial hazards in the American workplace. So this episode, we're in this episode, I should say, we're continuing our series of conversations about responses to exposure to psychosocial hazards. As much as I'd love to have a wonderful, perfect world where no one ever got exposed to things that made them feel bad, uh, that's just not the real world. And so we've been talking over the last couple of episodes about strategies uh, that folks use when they are exposed. How do they, how do you deal? Uh, because people still have jobs they, uh, they, they want and need to do. They still have relationships they want to maintain. And so sometimes it's just necessary to find a way to get through what's going on in life. And uh, today's a very interesting topic. So the therapeutic potential of art uh, is vast and applicable to individuals in all groups. As a matter of fact, art therapy's been around since the 40s, and it allows clients to express their inner thoughts, feelings, and experiences creatively. So a literature review on art therapy will reveal that therapists frequently assigned their patients' free-form art expression to help discussions about the images and encourage introspection. When combined with talk therapy, art therapy aids individuals in managing intense emotions, uh, fostering self-awareness and self-worth, decreasing stress and anxiety. The therapeutic approach encompasses various creative expressions, including dance, music, drawing, painting, coloring, sculpturing, and more. So again, this episode is not specifically about art therapy, but it's about the value of the arts and culture as a strategy to help cope with life's challenges. So let's start with an introduction from our guest with this question. Who is Deb Griffin? Thank you, David, for that. Um, <laughs> and I am uh, a retired mental health professional. Retired meaning that I just don't get paid anymore. I still enjoy working <laughs> and pursuing things I'm passionate about, which is mental health and art. And um and I'm a lifelong learner, so it keeps me learning and keeps me, things like this keep me engaged in learning about the value of art. Um, I specifically chose to be trained as a licensed clinical social worker because social work values the person in their environment. Um, it's not just about what's going on in your head or what's going on in your brain or, you know, how do you feel about your mother? But it's more um, a situation where if a person's having a hard time, it's going to affect all areas of their lives. And so you need to, you need to explore that with them. So um, I'm still a clinical social worker. I will be all my life. I just don't get, like I said, don't get paid for it anymore. But um, <laughs> I'm fascinated with people and fascinated with um, how all of that pertains to people's work environment as well. Sure, sure. So, so when I, when you hear um, psychological health and safety, what what pops to mind when you hear that? Well, um, you know that I have a tremendous interest in the systemic issues that we have in this country, and 
I think that we've waited a long time to start worrying about psychological health in workspaces. We've done a, a fairly good job with physical safety, but, um, you know, it's only recently, and I'm honored to know you and to know the work you've done in this area. It's only recently that people really think about the psychological safety. And, you know, I have, I mean, I could do another whole podcast on needing evidence when it comes to arts and mental health, but um, we have evidence. I mean, we have evidence that people that are happier at work are more productive. We have, you know, that they have less missed days, they have less addiction. So, you know, our work environment's really, really important to productivity. Um, I don't personally don't think we should live in a world where everything has to be productive, but, um, you know, right. some people do. Right. And so I can talk that language as well. <laughs> but right. Um, right. there's a lot right. of evidence based. There's a, a really interesting science now called neuroaesthetics, and it has to do with studying art and mental health and really sorting out how does that all happen um, biologically and neurologically. And, and they're developing evidence because now we can map the brain and map emotions and all of those things. So we have the ability to, to really come up with some evidence for people that need it. Um, There's another whole interesting piece to me about this from a psychological stand safety standpoint in the workplace is not just that if somebody gets in trouble, they could use art therapy. I have a certificate Mm -hmm. in art therapy um, as well as my, licensing and um therapeutically it is everything you said it it can be so valuable in opening up the parts of our psyche that we might not be in touch with or that may be damaged or pain had been painful for some reasons and we don't have language for but um this neuroaesthetics is also looking at having art in the workplace and how that contributes mm. to people's psychological well-being and and safety because if we assume that people suffer the most around places where they don't feel safe right then art it's they've proven that art in workplaces does make us feel safer it does make us feel more creative it makes us feel more innovative um and not just things that you've bought that have been mass produced, like a beautiful leaf or a pond <laughs> or something like that. But, but artwork that really represents people's lives. I mean, one of the things we know is that before time was measured, human beings picked up charcoal or rocks and scratched their, lot, their lived experience into walls that we found. We know that it mattered to them. They wanted other people to know what their life was like. And they wanted to record their experiences. So in putting art in the workplace now, if it reflects people's, and it can be, it can be many people's lived experiences. For a long time, art reflected wealthy people because they were the ones that could right. pay to have right. artists do it. Um, right. And that's, you know, that's not the case anymore. We value folk art we value art that's coming out spoken word poetry and all of the things that can come out of our communities and our environments um so there's a lot of ways that you could have people's experiences their you know represent art artists representations of their lived experiences outside the office that would make them feel psychologically more comfortable to be there you're never going to stop art's not going to stop people from being making boneheaded mistakes about how they talk right. to each other <laughs> just yeah, happens because yeah, yeah. we're human beings. That's right. That's but right. if, if you and I are in a workplace and I say something offensive to you or you say something offensive to me, you know, if we're comfortable, but this space reflects both of us equally, mm, then I'm right. more apt to come to you and say, you know what, David, I'm sure you didn't mean this, but you said right. something and I want to talk about it. Right. Right. But, right. you know, the workplace, so that's, to me, that's the psychological safety piece that art can provide. And that's a little more obscure yeah. than the way most people think of art. But it's 
it's true. It's true. Yes. That's wow. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's um, a lot. Sorry. <laughs> I, that's no, that, that, that is just such a fascinating way to make the connection between the two. What I've said, you know, really about this, the podcast and the topic in general, is I haven't found a place or a, a, a lack of connection to everything. There's, mm-hmm. there's, because mm-hmm. the ways that we think about, first about ourselves and we think about others are influenced by our environment. They are. And, and, and to your point is if the, the space can feel safer to me when the art in the space reflects me or I connect to it, or I feel something about it, as opposed to, we've got lots and lots of examples, you know, some come to mind from my fire rescue days, but back in the day when you go into a fire station and all of the art portrayed was all uh, scantily clad women. So how does that make a woman feel? Seriously, that's that's one of the conversations years ago we had to have about yeah, making yeah. Uh, the the environment safer for women because they didn't want or and some men. So some of us as men don't want to come in and see. I'm just saying I don't want to necessarily see some scantily clad. I you know I have a, a wife mm-hmm. and daughters and a mom and I, I don't really want to see that either. So to your point about how that really influences how people feel in the workplace, it's. Wow, that, that's very important. That's really very important. Yeah. I, so I, I wanted to dig just to pull a, another thread just for a second, though, is how, so how did you end up mm-hmm. being interested in becoming a therapist? Where, where did that, I mean, was that, you know, when you were a kid, you wanted to be one? Or- I'm the five-year-old child that would have been sitting in a high chair at the table when we went out to eat with my mother tapping me on the shoulder really? and saying, quit staring at those people, quit looking at those people. I was trying to hear what the other families were saying. I really? wanted to know what other people's experience was like. I, I just was curious about other people. And then when I realized that by through social, you know, studying um, psychiatric social work, that you could also connect that to how they lived. And um, it just, it, <laughs> I couldn't believe that I could get right. paid to do right. that. I mean, frankly, right. <laughs> I've been doing it for my family right. for years. And I thought somebody's yeah. going to pay me to do this. This is amazing. So, and safety, you know, is one of the most important mm. Say more. Pieces of Say more health. about that. Um, you see, you see people, well, you see people on the street. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people. People see people living on the street and they're, talking to themselves and they're angry or they're right. asking for money or they're doing, you know, sure. whatever they have to do to get through the, the night. And they say, wow, you know, you just can't, you, there's just nothing you can do about that's a mental health issue. And I always say, it might be, it might be they just need a safe place to spend the night. It might right. be they just need a refrigerator with some food in it. You know, how do you know it's a mental health issue when, how many of us would not appear to be mentally stressed or deranged if we had to sleep on the street and we weren't safe? So safety to me is the core of all mental health, unless you have a biological issue that can be fixed. I mean, some people are depressed because of their, you know, biological makeup. Some people can get schizophrenia because of their biological. That, None of it's made better by being unsafe. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that, that's also, uh, I, uh, intuitively it makes sense, but I haven't heard anyone put it that way, but you t- it's such a great point. So much discussion and conversation right now about quote unquote workplace mental health. And, uh, and a lot of the folks who are in this space mm-hmm. talking about psychological safety, psychological health and safety, psychosocial hazard mitigation, most of them I've found to be mental health professionals and have a have great understanding of that piece, but not as many can really make the connection. It is a safety thing. And it's, and it's something that really, at the core, at the core, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy, uh, past breathing, eating, and sleeping, if you don't have the safety piece, the rest of it doesn't matter. And I think sometimes we skip over that level of the hierarchy and we try to go to well, you know, let's let's see if we can get the person to express their feelings and self-actualize. They don't feel safe doing it. So it doesn't work. I mean, just like you can't get people to engage at work, I don't feel safe <laughs> doing that. I don't feel safe 
really being myself in this environment or really doing what I do in this environment because all the clues, all the messages around me say that it's not safe here. So I don't feel it. I don't, I really don't feel it. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's right. And that you're not welcomed. You're not right. really welcome because we haven't taken the time to make the space be that's reflective of your lived experience, you know, whether it's your cultural experience, your right, gender right. experience. A- absolutely. So, so, oh boy. Uh, so I, 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 um, I, I think <laughs> I heard you mention something about this earlier, but I, I want to assume though, that, that in your opportunities to sit in, you know, sessions with folks for therapy purposes, that often it was because something had already happened. The person had, demonstrated a behavior, had expressed some concern. <laughs> I don't feel good. It, it seems to be that we don't think about therapeutics until after something happens. Am I imagining that or has that been your experience as well? No, that's true. I think that people, I mean, life's hard. So, you know, you can have children that are having struggling or you can have marriages that are difficult or or people just experience the world in a different way. So there's always going to be individual reasons for people to turn up. But I've, I've sat through many sessions with people who would talk about not feeling safe at work. They didn't feel like they had a boss that they related to that would understand um, their needs or their, um, and I'm not saying, you know, it's like I always told my children, Work is where you go and get paid. It's not supposed to be fun necessarily. I mean, you're not, you don't have to like it. It's not, <laughs> you know, you should, you should like it. You should right. enjoy what you do, but it's, it's work. Um, so I don't think that you need to turn work into a therapeutic experience necessarily, but I think that we could pay a lot more attention. I think systemically work has been created to accommodate right. a certain person. And quite often right. when we look in the mirror, it's not right. us. And so if you really care about that, rather than putting pool tables or, you know, all the things that people do to make people feel comfortable at work in the new kind of dot com whatever world. I think there's a lot of easier things we could do. You know, I think there's a lot of things that we could do. Mm. And I think art plays a big part of that. One of the reasons I got involved in art was because I I enjoyed art. I'm not artistic, but I um, love art Mm. just about in any form. And I am fascinated by hearing artists talk about their process because I sat all day and talked to people who couldn't sort through the muddle that their life was. And then to be, you know, to spend my free time by, by being an arts advocate, spending my free time around artists who were making their lives beautiful and, and satisfying by expressing themselves through art it was always an interesting juxtaposition to me and something that helped me be better at helping artists and mm. better at helping my clients as well because there was such a connection. How do we, you know, the big question in mental health is how do you express yourself in a way that other people can hear you? Do you feel safe enough to express yourself that way? Uh, if not, could we find another way or do you need a different workplace right. or a different family or what, you know, it's all, it's always about how we can convey what our experience is mm-hmm. and artists do an amazing job of doing that. Wow. Wow. I, 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 <laughs> I, I when I sit and listen <laughs> to just guess in general and certainly what you're saying it sometimes is difficult to focus on the uh the i need to ask another question piece because uh you have such an interesting point that artists are able to express themselves in these unique kinds of ways another thing i i heard you say is that you're interested in art but you don't consider yourself to be artistic that which is also very interesting because 
the vast majority of people that I can think of, the reason they're interested is because they are musicians, sculptors, painters, dancers, whatever. So they're therefore interested in other arts. But yours seems to come from this, you know, back to sitting in the high chair, this interest in people. That's, that's, that's also unique. That's, you know, that's just very unique. It's. Well, I would say that arts, the arts needs consumers. (laughs) And so I consider myself a consumer and that's a valuable piece of the puzzle. I have an artistic eye. I mean, I can, you know, I can appreciate color and form and all of that kind of thing. So, I mean, I, I don't, but I don't consider myself an artist. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm just, I just, if I, if I sat down to do something like that, I, I would be, um, cause I've thought a lot about it. I just, mm. I mm. wouldn't really know where to start, you know, to the extent that I care about that. I do it. Sure. Sure. You know, through my life. I mean, just right. maybe the way I keep my house, the way sure. I do my, you know, the way I am with my family. Yes. I think people can be artistic with sure. words. I guess if I was artistic at all, it would be, you know, being able to express myself. But I, I just really think that's, um, uh, that, yeah. uh, again, just something that is, at least in my experience, it, it, uh, fairly unique. Uh, and again, being, going back to the fact that it seems to be centered on your interest in people. And, and I, <laughs> that's something that I believe is, is, mm-hmm sometimes missing in all of our social interactions as we are engaged in the interaction for the interaction's sake, not for people's sake, sometimes. So I go to work. I mean, and you're, you know, the way you describe that, that work doesn't always have to be fun and and generally isn't. I also, but I do find it interesting that that becomes the norm. And when we have the opportunities, opportunities to make it fun, we don't. Is that that doesn't go? Yeah, we don't care how you feel at work. We just care that the work gets done. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure that's as effective, particularly as the Gen Zers and as the Gen Alphas come into the workplace. I think they need some. I need some of it to be fun. They, they really this robotic. You will come and report at eight, mm-hmm. and we'll leave at five, and we'll get an hour break. That whole industrial revolution kind of approach doesn't seem to be working for folks, that they're looking for something more. They're looking for something that, again, that feels no. different because so much of our work, we are, as we transition out of this, again, industrialization, industrialized type of economy, more into a learning uh, information kind of economy. It is really more about, you know, about people, about human beings, about interactions, about services, and not necessarily about making things because we can get a machine to make the thing. And the machine doesn't care, but the people do. The people do. And uh, mm-hmm. I just think that, yeah, people care about that type of thing. Absolutely. And, and, and so you, have you had specific discussions, you know, with groups about getting art into workplaces in general? Um, not into workplaces necessarily. Okay. I want to say okay, one sure, thing sure. about that, your last comment before we move into that, but, um, because I do have things, I have things to say about that. But from a psychological standpoint, <laughs> doing mm. something for money is pretty soul killing. And we've never been told that. I mean, we've never been allowed to say that out loud or think about it because money was everything. But I think we're coming into some generations right. now where they, I'll just live on less. I don't, I don't want to do that. And I think it's because they realize that it's soul killing. Now, it doesn't have to be. I think if your workplace reflected more of your lived experience and people were more welcoming of diversity and and interested in other people's, you know, lives and experiences, right. Um, right. It, it wouldn't have to be that way. But I think we're I think we're we are. I agree with you. We are in a period of change. I do too. And I think that's a good thing. Because I believe that we'll be more productive that way. And certainly right. we'll be right. more innovative and creative that way. Nobody that's working for that's the right. next dollar is going to be very creative. That's right. That's right. They're trying to get it done as fast right. as they can. So 
we, uh, you know, we find, so we, when I say we, I, I, you know, and I will tell the audience that I chair the board for the South Fulton uh, Institute. And we believe that every, there's place for everybody's art in everybody's lives and that people are creating art all the time. And not unlike the uh, Enlightenment era, right. some of that, right. a lot of that money goes to the wealthy right. <laughs> and the art that they deem to be um, appropriate or worthy or whatever. So we uh, established the um, South Fulton Institute, was established in 2005. And we work to get art in the schools, to support individual artists um, in South Fulton County, which for those that don't know, Fulton County is the county that encompasses Atlanta and all the surrounding suburbs. And the, the development has always been towards the north. The money has always been towards the north. And um, I would say some of the cultural richness develops in the south <laughs> but that's not been funded um so we don't we don't hand out money we partner with people and ask them what they need what they want and we are putting art in schools and helping support <laughs> art in schools so here's a safety story for you so we had a school that was being uh, there was a program in the school by the big ballet company in Atlanta that is funded you know, and they had been for 20 years, they've been doing a, a program in the school in a classroom, typical classroom, concrete block, concrete floor with asphalt tile on it. And so they came to us and said, we, you know, we want some help. And we said, well, what do you, what do you need? And they said, well, we just, you know, the kids, every child takes one of these dance classes and it gives them an option. Some of these children live in really difficult situations. It gives them a chance to play and have fun and dance and use their bodies in really productive, artistic ways. And mm -hmm. we said, well, does anybody ever get hurt on this floor? And they said, well, no, not, not yet. But it's, you know, we've had some people fall, some kids fall. So we talked with them and jointly kind of came up with the idea that we were going to mm. put a sprung right. floor, which is what professional right. dancers dance on so that you don't get hurt. That if you jump, if you leap up in the air and come down mm. on it, you don't mm. crack an ankle or strain a foot or whatever. And so we put a sprung floor. We thought these kids decide that they deserve the same thing that you would get if you were in, you know, practicing for the Atlanta Ballet. So that's the kind of things that we do, trying to give children artistic experiences some of them will grow up to be lawyers or firefighters or nurses or whatever they choose to be but if they learn through the arts to be aware of their lived experience and talk about it and act it out in a positive mm. way then we think you have better citizens you have better workers you have better communities so we go mainly go to companies that have beautiful artwork in their lobbies <laughs> and ask them to give us money so that we can help put it in schools and put it in communities and promote the arts. We have some wonderful mm -hmm. in South Fulton. We have wonderful filmmakers. We have wonderful spoken word poets. A lot of times they just need some help knowing how right. to right. interact with the system. Um, to to get what they need, you know, a space um, right. to file for a nonprofit status. Um, you know, a lot of people in that right. have more money than that just go and hire a lawyer. But right. we we deal with a lot of people that really can't afford to hire a lawyer. They're working right. and putting every dime they can come up with in their art. <laughs> so we try to fill that fill that gap. And uh, so making that connection has been wonderful for me. It, it's just, it's kind of like, again, you just wonder, how did I get to do this? Hi listeners, Jason here. We hope you're enjoying this latest podcast episode. Now, if you're like Joelle, Alicia and myself and enjoy learning from the best, then the Flourish DX Academy is for you. 
The Academy includes free e-learning courses on the ISO 45003 standard for psychological health and safety at work and associated topics such as how to conduct a psychosocial risk assessment and how to create the business case for psych health and safety. All courses feature high-quality videos, downloadable resources, multi-choice questions, and a downloadable training certificate on completion. Take your learning to the next level with all FlourishDX Academy courses included within the FlourishDX mobile app. Select podcast episodes from the Psych Health and Safety Podcast and sister podcasts from Canada and the USA are also included. Get started with FlourishDX for free at www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. That's www.flourishdx.com forward slash get hyphen started. Now back to this episode. Yes. You, you've 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 also caused me to, to to think in the moment that so so again psychological health and safety is for everyone everywhere all the time even in circumstances where they're not quote unquote being paid they can still be emotionally or physically injured if we don't pay attention to the environment that they're doing whatever they're doing in and it's just a just a, a great great example uh, about this. Uh, this, uh, the situation you observed and, and were, and, and, and dived in to try to help these kids be safer. Because often we, we don't find out about safety at home. That, I mean, really, it's not a, you know, unless you live with a, well, somebody who does that kind of stuff, but you find out about safety generally in the environment and generally at work, maybe at school. Uh, I, I don't think there's, as much conversation as I'd like to see about safety in, in schools, other than safety relative to crime. We, we, you know, as a society decided that the only safety issue we're concerned about is, you know, somebody might show up with a gun and the likelihood of, you know, faculty, students, parents, whoever in a school being injured is a lot more likely they're going to slip on the floor. You know, we have to be concerned about those other things, but we just so much focus there, not enough. But 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 the but the point I wanted to get to is it, it it makes me think that the work that you're doing, both personally and through the institute, is creating a safe space for artists themselves. So so a place that they can, you know, engage in this self, you know, this sense of expression through their art, but do that in a safe way because I I not every I'm gonna guess, and I don't know this to be true, but I get I'm gonna guess that not every space is safe for artists to be able to do the thing that they do. So, you know, you have some folks who, and I, I know I've seen some, some of the film shorts of folks who are, their art is actually on buildings and that's not safe everywhere for people to do. People are being arrested and accosted and all types of things for simply expressing themselves in art in one community. And then in another community, perhaps they'll, you know, they'll get a big philanthropic gift and be able to go out and do their thing. So, Talk a little bit about, you know, creating safe space for artists and how important that is. The arts are notoriously underfunded. If you get below that first tier of um, arts, I call them approved arts, the symphony, the ballet, the, you know. And that anytime is going to cause safety issues. Anytime anything's underfunded. Companies that are underfunded have the worst safety records. Schools that are underfunded have the worst safety records. So you might, so go back to the school. So my guess is this school, this is an elementary school, but they probably had a little football team. I'm sure the students had football helmets because in, you know, when you think about the system that we grow up in, and I don't mean that as a four-letter word. We do grow up in a system. We just do. We have to look at it. The system would tell you, oh, we have to protect our children when they're playing football because that's socially acceptable place. You want your boys to be playing these contact sports. But never once think that every child in the school is dancing at least one day a week. and we're not worried about the dancers. You know, if they hurt themselves, they hurt themselves. So in general, I can't tell you the number of playhouses in Atlanta that struggle 
to build their sets in a safe way, to have what they need for fire safety in their little spaces they're crammed into. I mean, the arts are terribly underfunded and you're always going to have safety issues. And that is one of the things we address. We go in and say, no, this really isn't a safe place for you. Let's find you a space where you can have the room you need and the ventilation you need for the painting that you're doing or, you know, whatever it might be. Or they come to us more often than not and say, I don't I don't have a space. This is what I want to do, but I don't have a space to do it in. And we help them find a safe space. We We would never... That would never be a monetary decision for us. That would be a safety decision for us. Yes. Because we think everybody deserves that, even the arts. And they don't get it. Right. Right. Yeah. I I can recall, again, you know, I'm having not necessarily a flashback, but just thinking about uh, in my time as a fire inspector (laughs) going into uh, these small galleries and places that people would do art and then not having proper ventilation systems to do painting and not having, I, I really, because I'm not a dancer, <laughs> I didn't really think about the floors and the types of situations that come up there. But, uh, uh, you know, there are all of these safety related concerns that get skipped over uh, as long as we can get the person's, as whoever is sponsoring can get the person's talent. They sometimes don't necessarily think about the human being who houses the talent. So look, they they can go in this room and they don't even have a respirator, but they can go in there and paint. Now, mm-hmm. 10 years from now, or maybe even five years from now, they're going to probably have some type of respiratory ailment because they didn't do that properly, but that's okay. As long as someone made generally money off of them, folks don't seem to be cons- as concerned about that. And that mindset exists in a lot of our workplaces where we're really more interested in what the person produces back to that whole productivity mm-hmm. thing and not about the human being themselves. Absolutely. Everyone's been turned product. into a product. And what about the human being? Mm-hmm. That is, and, and mm-hmm. to me, that seems short-sighted mm-hmm. because if they're producing great things now, why, why wouldn't we want them to produce years and years and years? I, I now again, a, a little bit of disclosure. I, I, I've, Hung out with Deb and the, and the and the institute and some of the events and such and and recall seeing this gentleman that I he was in his late seventies or so and had been doing art for years and was a professional athlete and I I had no idea you'd know have no idea that he was engaged in these kind of things but you know this is something that you can start as a child and can take into your you know into your seventies eighties and nineties and continue to do it. Not like competitive sports, the other kinds of art that are more acceptable. It's things you can do and express yourself and mm-hmm. still be safe doing mm-hmm. it if you have a safe space. <clears throat> yeah, if you have, wow. Yes, and I think yes. in some ways make you a better citizen. Um, you know, I always think about these. We have an impact statement on our, we decided this year rather than doing what the arts have always kind of followed corporate model and put out a, a year-end statement, you know, that shows what they spent and what they did and what they accomplished and all that kind of stuff. And we decided to do a video instead. And there's a teacher on there that happens to teach at the school where the, the floor was put in. And he talks about instilling promise in these students that, that have trouble mm-hmm. knowing what what's available in the world. And I'd like to think that you know, out of all of those students that dance on that floor, one day somebody's going to walk into mm. a job and say, you know, this is mm. not safe. I, I need for us to get this fixed. <laughs> because if we start with our students and we start with children and we, we let them know that the value of that child to us is that we will spend the money for them to have a professional floor to dance on. You know, it goes back to what you value. It's it's how you express your values. And I think company, and we, we know because we're beginning to hear companies that express different values, not just the bottom line dollar, people want to go right, to work right. there. You know, there's, it, the word's out. Who, right. who cares about the quality of life for their people? We can teach that in school by the way that we 
treat students. We can help our artists. But, you know, so the art, I, you said something that really triggered a thought in my mind that I think I've just not put together before. So back in the 80s, probably 70s and 80s, there was a form of art that was, um, it was plastics, but you could spray paint it and form it and all this stuff. And there was a lot of paint, a lot of acrylic stuff involved in, and you may, you know, most people made statues out of it or, or art pieces mm. that people had in their homes and they were expensive. Mm. And most of those people are dead. Most of the people that made it died of lung disease because they, it was before they mm -hmm. started having to wear, you know, equipment. Um, and they didn't know how. Oh, sure. My guess is the art right. still held right. its value. Whoever invested in it <laughs> has a, a more valuable piece mm. at the expense of someone's life. Yes. And I just like, this is the system we need to look right. at. What, right. what, do, what right. does that say about our yeah, values? Uh, uh, un unfortunately, there is more value placed on things than human beings uh, too often. And uh, again, there's a part of me that says, and I, and I say things like that, and I'm sure I probably come across to some as, you know, not being capitalist enough. And I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that because I honestly believe that again, the, the creativity of a human being is much more important than what it is that, that they create because they'll create something new. I mean, the thing that goes out of style is going to be replaced by something that will be in style. That all came from a human being. And to the extent we can create these environments where people can feel safe enough to express himself, feel safe enough to, to create, then I think that's just going to be beneficial for everybody. I just, it just seems like it would be because it's, you know, it becomes this fountain of, you know, of creativity. And that's, that just seems to be such a much nicer place than some of these sterile, bring you in, work you to death, get something out of you for the next year, two or five, and then cast you aside and look for the next person to try to exploit. And I would argue mm -hmm. that for somebody that thinks they're more capitalist than you and I are, I would that, argue that's that exactly it's not right. a exactly zero-sum right. game. It you is. can have both. <laughs> you can have both. Right. And you can have better whatever you're producing your widget will will benefit from you taking care of absolutely. the environment absolutely. and the people that are making it and and i think that you know i hope that we're moving into a society where people will be more inclined to choose to buy that right. widget over another widget that was made the old-fashioned way right. because they right. care about how people are treated and you know, you're, you have to be safer in company A. Mm -hmm. You have to be safer there psychologically mm -hmm. because they've already told right. you up front that they right. care about you as a person. Um, and in the end, from a psychological standpoint, that's what people, most people's sanity right. depends right. on is knowing that they're, that's right. people that's care right. about them, that somebody cares. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And their safety matters <laughs> to people. So right. I don't see that as being a dichotomy at all. And I don't see as it being one thing costing the other. I think, the, I think the arts and the safety and the caring about human beings benefits our work and our work environment. They, they definitely do. I, I, I wanted to make sure that I covered a particular topic before we, before we conclude about So share a little bit about at least your thoughts about how, the arts can be uh, can basically build bridges between groups of people and and, and connect people because it, in the workplace so there's there's these three categories of psychosocial hazards there's how your work is organized there's the environment then there's the people that you interact with that can create stress for you because we you know the conflict that goes on and the the in group and out group that type of thing and so so can you share a little bit about at least your thoughts. Can art help bridge some of those divides? Absolutely. I think in a workplace, once again, having a variety of art in a workplace where people could have conversations about 
I don't really understand this. And oh, let me tell you about that. Um, I just in looking at your website, saw that your logo was developed in an artistic way to make a statement about what you value. And I was so fascinated with that. I thought that just makes me all the happier that I'm doing this today because that's thoughtful, you know, so it, so it connected. I've already, I've been connected to you for a long time. I've known you for a long time, but it made me feel more connected. So in a place where people are free to, you know, let's, let's suppose that that, that I had a Mm -hmm. necklace that was that logo. And I was wearing it and somebody asked me about it because I felt comfortable wearing it. I felt comfortable that it was okay. And I went into the Mm. explanation of what it stood for. You know, there's just a thousand little ways that that matters. There's also, you know, I think there's also ways that companies, especially companies are spending a lot of money Mm. now on DEI training. Mm. Yes. And you and I've had this conversation some of it's really good. Some of it's just boilerplate stuff that right. people sit through it because they have to. So one of the things we've done at South Fulton Institute is we have a, a section mm-hmm. called Courageous Conversations. And you know this. We've had plays, play readings that will be really complex, sometimes racial issues, gender issues, safety issues, all kind of things. And then at the end, so they read the play and you listen to it. And then at the end, we have open conversations about that. So I think you went to American Son. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. plays because it's so rich. What if you did that mm. as a DEI training in your business? Mm. What kind of, I mean, I haven't sat through right. DEI training because right. I worked for myself, but you tell me. Would that be better than a DEI training that you've sat through? Uh, uh, yeah, it probably would because yeah, a, a lot of what's out there now is box checking, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, and reminding each other that oh, there are black people and white people and rich people and poor people and gay people and straight people and mm-hmm. all of these, you know, mm-hmm. that type of thing. More more of the you know kind of sterile. We have to do this because if we don't, somebody's going to yell at us. Stuff. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to what is it that we can talk about between the two of us and learn something about each other and learn something about each other's right. lived experience right. and, you know, be curious right. about other people. And yeah, it'd be much better. <laughs> it would. Yeah. It would. Yeah. 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 Because you would and learn I hadn't something. About that. Yeah. That, that's right. That's right. And particularly the, you know, and recalling some of those where the conversation often to me, that's, the most powerful piece about it. It's like watching a movie and then having a conversation or watching or whatever, but being in the room to have people, you know, do this artistic presentation, you know, and then talk about it amongst, you know, with other people in the room is very powerful. It is. It, it, and we and always hire what, facilitators. What, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you find that not only does the conversation start in the room, but it continues. And that that's, it continues. It'll go back to their neighborhoods, to their workplaces, to their schools, to their wherever. That was a spark that got the conversation started. But it, it it continues because it is so powerful. And you want to talk more, want to have more conversation. Yeah. So wow. if you ask me about wow. putting art in businesses, my dream is to put mm. that in businesses. My dream in my next mm. life would be mm. to put those kind of conversations in corporations and businesses. Mm. Give me your lunch hour next week. I've got some people that are going to read a play and we're going to sit and talk about it. We'll have a facilitator. And I would be willing to bet you good money that it would be more impactful and strike more in the way of bridging the gap between people than any body that ever came in and told you that there were Hispanics and blacks and gays as if we didn't already know that. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so okay. So uh, you're you're opening up a can of something uh, that we probably don't have time to get into. So, what if what if there are folks who are watching or listening, and they do, and they're interested in this, and they want to follow up with you with the institute? What's what's the best way to do that? So the South Fulton Institute. It's southfultoninstitute.org is the website. 
They can see the work that we do. They can reach out to our executive director, Jennifer Byer-Lyons. Um, and they're welcome to reach out to me. Um, and you can post my connection if you want to, my web, my uh, email address. Um, I have, you know, more passion than I have time or years left. But I'd right, love right, to talk right. to somebody that, would, that right. would be interested in doing something about, you know, or with this or just have a conversation. I, I We're not without, we know how to do this. It, it, we know why it doesn't get done, but we know how to do it. We, we There's no need for us to act like we don't. We know how to do right. this. And it's just a matter of, what you value, you know. Absolutely. I've always said, Absolutely. you show me your budget and I'll tell you what you care about. <laughs> you don't That's have right. to tell me what That's you care it. about because all I need to see is your budget and I can tell you what you care about. And that's, that's, you know, that's the bottom line, unfortunately. But you can make a difference. Yes, yes. Well, uh, Deb, thanks. Uh, it, it's uh, it, it's always great to catch up with you and, and uh, share you know, some conversation with you, learn from your wisdom. Uh, th and it's been very thought provoking for me. I, I have a matter of fact, I have an idea that you've sparked. And we'll, we'll have to chat offline about that. Because <laughs> I was going to say, let's let's continue yeah. the conversation. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, boy. There's. Yeah. 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 But but so. So anyway, um, if if you're watching this episode on the Flourish DX YouTube page, please do like and subscribe and share with your friends. If you're watching or listening for the first time, welcome. I, I hope something that you hear will bring you back in the future. Previous episodes of the podcast can be found at psychhealthandsafetyusa.com. Please become a part of what we call the Psych Health and Safety USA movement by connecting to us on LinkedIn. We, uh, this has been a, just a very enjoyable conversation and, uh, Looking forward to the next one, Deb, both with you and uh, with my audience, with our next guest. So we'll see you and uh, hopefully you'll hear us next time on the next episode of the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. Thanks very much. Tune in each Friday for new episodes of the Psych Health and Safety USA podcast. If you have a story or know of one that needs to be told, reach out to us on LinkedIn or send an email to david at id2-solutions.com or go to the Flourish DX website at flourishdx.com. We'll see you next time.